Don't you think our worship is enriched as we uh, all, cross generations and all, worship together? Well, we're in our Turning Point series, and uh, for weeks now, uh, we have been looking at this fact that God actually does break into our lives, just as Perry gave testimony to. And he turns us around, breaks into our lives, turns us around from being self-directed people, and then he sends us out, sometimes into quite challenging things, right? And now, now today I'm going to focus on one part of that. Namely, sometimes we don't feel like we're quite ready for what he's called us to do. We, where do we find the courage? Where do we find the confidence actually to go out and do what God's told us to do? Because in my years of being a pastor, the, the excuse I've heard most often is, well, I'm not quite ready yet. You know, if only I could go to school a little longer, if I could get some of these things re- right in my life, when I get to be more perfect, then maybe God can use me. Well, let me just tell you, it doesn't work that way. We can't make ourselves more perfect. And and a big part of the working is that as we step out and and seek to obey God, God does his perfecting work in us. Uh, That's the way it works. And so as I was talking about this with a group of pastors, one of the people with us, Matt Barnes, said, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like these ads I've seen recruiting people for foster care parenting. In which I think the final line says, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who'd love to put up with you. Well, I just thought, you have to see a couple of these. He sent them to me, you have to see, so we'll put them here, watch them, and then I'll come back. I remember how much you said you liked mine. Oh. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to put up with you. Mom. Mom. What? You can't find Ichabod. What? You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to put up with you. I, I love those. I, I love those. And it really does bring us into this message. Because the Bible turns to us and says, God knows we're not perfect. And yet he is going to make us complete in Christ. And it, so much of it happens when we simply hear his call, turn our faces in his direction, step out. And as we serve, he starts doing his strengthening work in us. So I, I want to ask you right up front. Have you ever sensed that God has called you to do something that you didn't feel up to? I have about three, three of you, so you'll have to listen very carefully. I try to think what would it be. Maybe some of you just don't feel suited for it. That we often have these calls to go out and serve as mentors in our community, with, and you say, I, I'm not made for that, Look, I'm too old, I'm too, whatever. And then you step out and you say, see that God has made you for it. Maybe it's to serve our, our children in the church, and you think, well, no, maybe that should be my children or somebody else to do that. Maybe it's something that God asks you to turn away from. Could be you're in an unhealthy relationship. 
you know it doesn't honor God. And yet the strength to turn away from that thing and to do what you know God would have you to do. It's something that you sense deep inside that you know God would have you to do, but you feel inadequate. Sometimes you think, why me? Well, today I I want us to learn a few lessons from a young man named Jeremiah. You've got to know that Jeremiah was one greatly used by the Lord. Here we are, centuries later, thinking about him. And yet if you had met him as a junior hire... And if he'd been in your group, you wouldn't have thought he was destined for greatness. He he wasn't born in a great renowned family. It's a pastor Hilkiah, a country preacher, a little town called Anathoth. And he didn't have a a dynamic, charismatic personality. May have wilted if he'd read scripture up here today. He was shy. He was introverted. He was prone to pessimism, even to depression. We probably would have sent him for counseling. And yet God spoke to him said, I've made you for a reason, and I have something I want you to do. And he didn't feel like he could do it. And God says, but you can, because I'll be with you. It all started one day in 627 B.C. Uh, John and Duane, we weren't alive then, were we? 627 B.C., it happened the 13th year, it's put, of the reign of the good king Josiah. That's the day God's call came. So I think perhaps I would like you to write down today's date, uh, April 1, 2012. Because sometimes it's good to remember those times when God speaks to you so that you never forget it. So here's what I want to do. I think I want us to look at Jeremiah, his call, the timing of that call, his response to it as briefly as I can. Uh, but I think we have to see it if we can understand what it says to us. So I want you to stick with me with that. And then I'm going to come back and just talk with us about what this might mean to us and where we can find the courage and confidence we need to do what God's called us to do. So I want us to think about Jeremiah's turning point. You see it there in Jeremiah chapter 1. I want us to think about first the timing of this thing. And, And the fact is that God often calls us to go somewhere, and we don't even know it's a crucial time. I don't know that Jeremiah did, but it was. I want us to think about the crucial time of his call and the place to which he was called. If you look at uh, verses 2 and 3, I didn't put them all down there because of all these long words. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in the 13th year, the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. On and on it goes. These details are given to us for a reason. Now, when Jeremiah was a young man, there were three superpowers in his world that were wrestling for control of the Middle East. And Jeremiah, through all of his life, sort of watched as uh, all the kings of his country, of Judah, tried to figure out which one of these three superpowers is going to work out. And they would set up an alliance thinking that would protect them. They didn't trust God to do it. And he watched as every time they made a decision, they were wrong. So sometimes we think our politicians are wrong. We can relate to Jeremiah, just in case you want to mark that down. But what happened is when they made the wrong choice, the wrong alliance, the other kings became angry and they sent armies in and devastated the people of God. Now, if you look at this in just a couple of verses, two verses, verses two and three, four kings are mentioned. Such a short time. And there are two more who are there who aren't even mentioned because one only reigned for two months and the other one only reigned for three months. Six kings in a short period of time, and not one of them died a natural death uh, in his bed. I I just want you to know this was a time of political upheaval. 
A time of political upheaval where things just seemed to be so completely out of control. And what that led to was the second thing I want you to see. It was a time of economic trouble, economic collapse. Because as these powerful kings sent their armies into uh, the beautiful city of Jerusalem and into their country, they destroyed everything. And you can read about it in another book in the Bible from Jeremiah, the book of Lamentations. But the entire beautiful city was incinerated. Uh, the people had no jobs. Their homes were utterly destroyed. They didn't even have any food. If you read through the Lamentations, it's not exaggerating. That's just how bad it was. And they had, they had no hope that the stock market would ever rise again. It was a time of economic collapse. But I think the biggest thing that you see when you look at the timing of Jeremiah's call, it was a time of religious, pluralism, religious uncertainty. Uh, these kings who are mentioned, some of them were just rotten. One, one of the kings who was a king during the time of Jeremiah was a man named Manasseh. Uh, he was probably the worst of all of them. Uh, he, he brought other temples into Jerusalem, into, into the country. He even allowed Malik, the worship of Malik, to come in, which in God's country, among God's people, children were being sacrificed. Now, there were some good kings. Josiah is mentioned. And he tried to call the people back to Jehovah. He, he tried to have laws telling them you need to worship Jehovah. But it was too late. Because by the time Josiah came, even those who were their priests, those who preached to them, didn't believe in Jehovah anymore. And, and so some of the people said, okay, we'll kind of add Jehovah back to the other gods. And, and they just worshipped anything. You know, when you don't worship God, it's not that you worship nothing. You worship anything. And Jeremiah would have to say, as many as your cities are your gods, O Jerusalem. Uh, and you know what happened? So when the pressure came, economic pressures, family pressures, housing pressures came, they had no moorings. They, had, they didn't know who to turn to, which god to turn to. They had no, no way to decide what is right and wrong. And it's in that kind of a time that God raised up this shy, introverted young man, Jeremiah, and he said, I'm going to send you in as my person in this difficult time. You can see why he didn't feel up to it, don't you? Now, interestingly, he wasn't sent to be the national rescuer. If you like American history, he wasn't to be an Abraham Lincoln rescuing a nation from the devastation of slavery and so forth. He wasn't supposed to be a Winston Churchill raised up in World War II. You know what he was supposed to do? He was simply supposed to go and tell his people the truth. Nobody else was. He was supposed to go and tell them the truth, and it was hard to do. So that's the timing. Do you see it? And I do think that there are times, sometimes we don't see it, when there are difficult times in the place of work or in our families that God raises us up and speaks to us and says, I need you to go into that situation and speak of me and to tell the truth. Now, I want you to see the task the task. I, I call it the unpopular job. That's a part of God's call sometimes. Now here you're becoming sad, aren't you? Oh no, I show up at church so that it won't be things unpopular, things will go well. Tell me you don't sometimes think that. I had someone just tell me this past week, God must not love me because my life still is so hard. Because we think that, but here sometimes we see that God sends us into things that are so hard. Look at verses 13 and 14. So, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me again. Jeremiah, what do you see? 
So in this prophetic vision, he said, oh, I see a pot that is boiling. Oh, no, it is tilting from the north toward us. And the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in your land. Uh, the truth that he had to d- deliver was that their sin was serious and that God's judgment was going to come to them. That's what Jeremiah had to preach week by week by week by week. That from the north, that's where the armies always came when you would come into Judah and then into Jerusalem, always coming from the north. And they, he saw what he then later would write about in the book of Lamentations, that his people and his beloved country would be destroyed. He loved his people. Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet. Do you blame him for weeping? I've, tra- I've tried to think about how that would affect us. If somehow you and I were given a prophetic vision that in a week a nuclear bomb would be dropped right in Pasadena and everything would be destroyed, how would we feel? Uh, we, we see all those students at Caltech or at Fuller studying away for a future they would never have. Uh, we see young parents pushing that stroller down old Pasadena, a future that they would never experience. Wouldn't, wouldn't you weep? Now, why was this going to come? Was it, do you think, because Jerusalem's kings weren't smart enough? Or, or was it because their military was not strong enough? No, the reason was that God is real and God is holy And for many, many generations, God had come to his people and said, turn back to me. I love you. I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to walk with you again. And they said, no way. We want nothing to do with you. And their sin and their selfishness had gone on so long that God said, there's only one thing to do. I've got to send them a message that I'm going to judge their sin. People in his world didn't like sermons about judgment for sin. Do you think we like it in Southern California? If this were my task, simply to get up week by week and preach about judgment for sin, you know what everybody would be saying? Fundy, fire and brimstone preacher. I wonder how long I could do it. I wonder how many of you would come to church. That's what I really wonder about. Would you be coming? Nope. And yet, and yet it was real. I'll tell you, with the benefit of hindsight, we know that Jeremiah was right. I, I just ask you, who among us would have wanted his job? And yet his greatness was this. As hard as it was for him, and, and feeling that I'm absolutely the wrong person, I'm, I'm shy, I can't speak, I'm too young, he obeyed God and faithfully did what God called him to do. And that's why the, yesterday Pastor Roger said, Jeremiah is my hero. Jeremiah is my hero because he did what God would have him to do. How long do you think he did it? Man, a year? Do you think he had to do it a year? That'd be hard. Two? Five? How many do you think? Ten? Anybody want to yell out? Forty years. Forty years. God called him to do something on one particular day, just as I think he's probably calling us to do something, and it was going to be a hard job. Now, I need to think just a a third thing about the response to this, this back-and-forth response, that in my own walk with God, I see so many times God calls, and then we have our human response, no, I can't do it, but you just need to know God is God. God will have the final word. 
So that's Jeremiah. If you look at verses 4 through 6, he said, I can't do it. Um, I'm too young. And this, this is lethal. This can't do spirit. Even when God calls us, it is going to be lethal to us. Look how it's put. Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 4, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I've appointed you as my spokesman to the nation. Allah's sovereign Lord. I know you're the sovereign God, he said. But I can't do it. I don't know how to speak. I am too young. Now, I read that and I, I thought about a book of psychology I read years ago when I was in college. And it said within every one of us human beings, there is a little child that sometimes just feels like there's no way I want to do this again. Have you ever felt like that? You ever had a, a time where in the middle of the night you wake up and you know what you're going to have to do that day and you don't want to do it? And so what do you what do? You, do? Uh, you look at the and you say, oh, I hope I hope I don't you pull the. Uh, covers over your head, you kind of curl up into a fetal position. You tell yourself, I'm sick. I'm going to have to have somebody else do this job. Anybody else ever felt like that? Now you're knowing the psychological disorders of your pastor, right? You know what's going on. That's how Jeremiah felt. Um, He wanted to get away from this thing. There's one time he tried to run away even. And uh, he thought, I've got to get to my family. They'll take care of me. You can see it in in Jeremiah 10 and 11 and 12, the chapters. But when he got home, they were so embarrassed by him that they decided they just put him to death. He had no place to run. How can I do this? Now, if Jeremiah, you can imagine in our day, if he would come in, most of us would say, oh, Jeremiah, that is too hard for you. You don't have to do it. And if God had done that with Jeremiah, he would have never been the one that we talk about here in 21st century Southern California. So it was a hard task. He said, I can't do it. God says, but go. But where do you find the strength? That's, isn't that a question? Where do you find the confidence to step out and do what God's called us to do, even when we really know it's from him? Well, let me tell you one place it's not. It's what I call the equally lethal can-do spirit. I can do it on my own. That's the therapy that's positive thinking therapy. And, and this has even made its way into the church. I pull out a book and I, I change the words enough that I don't think you can Google it and find out who said this. Wrote a book and he says, okay, if you feel like there's something too hard for you to do, what you should do is go and stand in front of a mirror, look into it and say, I'm great. I believe in myself. I can do anything. Kind of like that children's book. I think I can. I think I can. It said, purge the negativism out of your subconsciousness and fill it with positive thinking. What what do you think about that? Tom, you're nodding. You know what? the, The trouble is that any of us who've ever read the Bible can't say that. We know ourselves. We know that we've fallen short of everything God's made us for. We try to cover it up when we go to church, but every one of us here has fallen short of the glory for which God has made us. Romans 3.23. So, so we, can, we can't sort of go into self-hypnosis and say, oh, I'm so great, I can do something no matter what. So how are we going to fulfill, it almost seems contradictory, 
God's calling upon us, when we know who we are and are the things that we're not capable of, and yet we can't do it by just saying, I can do it, I can do it. How do we do it? How can I be aware of my weaknesses and just own them and yet step forward in strength? And God's answer, just mark this down. You're awake up in the balcony, I see you up there. Uh, Mark this down. God's answer is, I can do it through you. You won't be alone. One of the powerful things about Jeremiah chapter 1 is how God again and again and again says, I am. I am. Uh, Look at verses 5 through 6. There are three verbs in the past tense. Jeremiah, I have formed you. Jeremiah, I already knew you before you were born. And Jeremiah, I have appointed you. You see that? And then you move over to verses 7 and 8. And it's not just the past. There are three verbs in the present tense. Jeremiah, I am the one sending you. Jeremiah, I'm commanding you. And Jeremiah, I am with you. And then at the end of verse 8, there's one in the future tense. When the hard time comes, Jeremiah, I will rescue you. See how God just surrounds this sense of inadequacy that Jeremiah has with the promise of his presence and his power and his sufficiency. Uh, Jeremiah, you are inadequate, but I am not. Jeremiah, you cannot do it on your own. You've owned it, you know it. But I will not leave you alone. Jeremiah, you are not to say, I am not the one for the job. For I am, and that happens here all the time, the great way that God describes himself. I am, before anything was, I am. I am with you. And I thought that's just how God deals with us when he calls us. The experience that my whole life walking with him, uh, making us own our own inadequacy and then filling it with his divine competency. God never asks us to pretend we are something we aren't. He never asks us to hide things in the past because he knows all about them. He says, go ahead and own those things because it will be a great help for people to know that I am never done with you if you will simply turn back to me. My forgiveness, my grace, my power are sufficient for you. Now, for many years I've written down three assurances out of this text. I'm just going to give them to you. You might want to write them down too. I hold on to these and look at them sometimes. God's assurances to him and to me and to you. God is our maker and he knows for what he's made us. And if you say, I've already messed up what he's made me for, he says, no, you haven't. I am your maker and I know for what I've made you. Do you see the way it opens? God says, I knew you even before your dad, Hilkiah, and your mom had even thought about having a child. Jeremiah, before you ever had a life to plan, I had already planned a life for you. So, Jeremiah, how can you say that you're not the right one for the job? I made you for that job. And that's what God says to us, too. So God is our maker. He knows what he's made. That's helpful for me sometimes when I'm going into a really a tough place. Number two. God promises to be with us when we step out and obey him. He just promises. Throughout scripture he does. I'll show you one place. Do you have your Bible? If not, you'll just have to listen to me. There's another picture that God gives him, verses 11 and 12. The word of the Lord came to me. 
Jeremiah, what do you see? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Does that make a lick of sense to you? Lick of sense. That's a West Virginia term. I haven't used that in a long time. Does that make any sense to you at all? There's something here lost in the translation. Let me tell you what's going on. This, this idea, I am watching you. Look at that almond tree. Uh, you'll know I'm watching you. Because the word for almond tree and watching in Jeremiah's language was the same. So he said the almond trees were all over the place. So Jeremiah, every time you go out and you wonder, can I do it? I'm alone. You're not alone. That look, that almond tree. You know how I've, how I've applied this? Okay. Sometimes I'll have a sermon here at Lake Avenue that I don't really want to preach. Uh, like about Jeremiah, thinking that all of you are going to get depressed. What do we want to learn about Jeremiah? And yet I know God's called me to do it. Sometimes I think this way. The Lord's saying, Greg, look on your wrist. Do you see that watch? When you're not sure anybody wants to hear this, and you know I have told you to preach it, look at your watch and you will know I am watching you. I don't know if that helps you. It's going to make you carry a watch. If there's a task that God's called you for, you don't go alone. Sometimes you have to be reminded. And God says, I am with you. I am with you. You don't go alone. And then number three, this future thing, like we saw in verse eight, God goes ahead of us to assure us of the completion of the task. Um, I pray that so often, go ahead, but God already says that he will. And by the end, he says, it's going to be hard. He He doesn't say it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but I love it in verses 17 and 18. He calls Jeremiah, you are going to be an iron pillar. You're going to be a bronze wall. You've got to think about what kind of person Jeremiah was. Jeremiah? I I thought, who could he be talking about? Me, an iron pillar, a bronze wall? Yes, that is Jeremiah. Jeremiah with God. And so now, having looked at that, I want to come to us. We put in our worship folders this turning point sticky notes. You see we have the blue boxes here in the front, and we have a few of the ones that you filled out over the weeks. I'd like you to take that out, and if our ushers are here, if you haven't been able to find one, I'd like to have our ushers. I'm looking for them. I'm watching for our ushers. Uh, to come and bring some of these. So in case you don't have one, I'd like you to take this out. And if you don't have one, just get hold of our ushers who are coming down and they'll, they'll bring you one. Even if you filled out one, I'd like you to do it again. And let me just say a few words to us, even as you're beginning to fill this out, as you think about, is there a time where God has broken in your, into your life? When might that have been? Or even perhaps that that is this morning. What is that? What do you think it is that God is turning you from? What is it toward which God is calling you? And then to think about who you might share that with. If Jeremiah had never shared it, we wouldn't even know. And that's an important part. As you're taking that, and I'd like you to begin filling it out, let me just say that I want to give a few words. Because so many of you have talked to me these past few weeks in our Turning Point series, saying to me, but Pastor Greg, how, how can I know that God is calling me? How can I hear his voice? 
and throughout this entire series, those visiting, we've seen that God speaks to people in so many ways. Uh, sometimes he sent an angelic visitor. Uh, sometimes he spoke through a burning bush. Uh, <clears throat> if you were here last week, do you remember we had our authentic blue prophetic robe <laughs> that he put over people? There. So what am I saying by that? God is God. And God can speak as he wants. There are many ways. God is our Father. And just like a good father doesn't deal with everyone exactly the same way, that's the way I see that God deals with us. So, uh, what might I say? I, I would say this, that the way many people have talked to me about knowing the voice of God is not the way the Bible does. You know what so many people say in our day? Uh, they say, well, I had a peace about it. Well, sometimes that can happen. And when we actually step out and obey, I'll tell you, we will know the peace of doing what is right. That, that is true. But I'll tell you, sometimes sensing a peace, I'll have a peace about doing that, is not the best way to, to, to know the will of God. Uh, in fact, I'll never forget my first church as a, a pastor in, in, in Wisconsin. A young woman came up to me and say, said, Pastor, I've met a man here in church, and I've decided I'm going to leave my husband and my children and marry him as soon as he can divorce his wife and leave his wife and children. And, and we both have prayed about it. We've been in church the last three weeks. We both prayed about it. We have a peace about it. And I just said, well, that peace can't be from God. <laughs> You've got to know we're imperfect people. You and I can have a peace about something that's utterly wrong. So, so how do we know what to do? Well, just The three ways most of followers of God, Jesus have heard God's voice are through his word, through the spirit of God at work in prayer, and through community of God's people uh, through his word I just encourage you to be a better student of this word than you've ever been because you'll see how God works and how God thinks and I'd encourage you always to be here on Sunday uh, even though sometimes people would rather not just study this word you need you need this word to be open we need to see what it says to learn how God speaks and how God works and, and then also become a diligent study student of God's word together and, and you'll learn how God works but then also, in, in hearing that word and hearing it preached and reading it yourself, you need to stop and take time to say, Father, what, what do I do with this? Asking the Spirit of God to guide you. So, so prayer and sensing and asking for the Spirit of God to speak to you and to show you what it means to you is so important. Here in Jeremiah 1, again and again, the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord declared to me. But if he'd been so busy watching television or what else he's doing, to ever listen, he probably would not have heard. And then, then the third piece is that God gives us to one another. Often when we gather here, God speaks to us. But sometimes in our smaller groups, where we really talk with one another, truth is spoken, uh, exhortation at times, correction at times, encouragement at other times. If you haven't found a small group, we'll help you. At the end of the service, we'll have some folks here to my right, to your left, who will help you to connect in that way. In those ways, I think, usually God has spoken to his people. The first thing I want to say is, as you're filling that out. Second, I, I can't end this message without saying a word to some of you who know that God would have you to do something, but you don't want to do it. You don't want to obey him. And here, I, 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 that there's a pattern of life that you have adopted that doesn't honor the Lord. You know that. Or maybe there's a relationship that you are in, that you know this isn't in keeping at all with his ways as found in Scripture. Or maybe I'll just put it bluntly. 
there's a sin in your life that you just don't want to give up. Let me tell you, God is loving. He's unbelievably patient with us. But, but this whole book came about because for generations people had become so hard-hearted, stiff-necked, that they would not turn back to God. And Jeremiah was sent to tell them, I love you, but punishment must come. And in fact, to Jeremiah, the warning is given in verse 17. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you, Jeremiah. And then this phrase, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. God is loving, but God is also holy. If there is something God is calling you away from today, do not wait. Do not wait. What he will do in your life is far better than anything you'll experience with that thing you're trying to hold on to. And then the third word. Just to to those of us who feel inadequate for the task, I'll just tell you I still have those repeatedly. You've been asked to serve somewhere in the church. You say, I don't feel up to it. I'm too young. I'm too old. <laughs> but we call on you to serve in our foundation in the community, to mentor some of the kids in the community. You say, well, you know, I haven't grown. I've never been with urban kids before, whatever. I, I can't be the right one. Somebody else must be. No, no, God says, I, I, I've made you. <laughs> you won't believe what I'll do through you. Remember that you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect one to go in and make a difference for Christ in his life. And he'll do his perfecting work in you as you obey him. So never say, I'm too old, I'm too young. I'm not perfect enough yet. Instead, I just pray that each one of us may hear God's voice saying, this is what I want you to do. And that we'll step out into those areas where you've never been before. And I want you to hear the Lord say to you the very same things he said to Jeremiah. Go! And it will bring pleasure to my heart. Go and don't be afraid. For I've made you for this. I am sending you. And as you go, I will be with you, declares the Lord to his glory. Amen. Here's what I'd like you to do.